Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. This is Rick Campanelli, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. I actually met you one time in Global Toronto when I was interning, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I, I came up and I said, oh, hello, my name is Brian, and uh, you said, oh, hey, how's it going? This is, uh, my name is Rick, and I said, oh, that's cool, and then uh, I went back upstairs and someone told me, oh, were you just talking to Rick Campanelli? I was like, yeah, he seems like a cool guy, and then they were like, yeah, no, stay up here, and I was thinking like, oh, man, <laughs> like, you know, this is yeah. what I came to Global for, is to interact with a few ET Canada guys, and, you know, just, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder why they say that. That's that's odd. Okay, well. Yeah, but I, I was just, I thought it was so so interesting, because I was just still like, you know what, this guy is uh, famous for much music, he's on ET Canada, I'm just going to go over and say hello, then you, I was figuring you'd be like, yeah, no, no, I don't got time to talk, but when you're like, oh, yeah, hey, how's going it's rick i was just like i I was like i was was expecting you to be like go away kid and i would have been like that's it that's it going online trashing them you know Uh, i I would i would never do that to someone who's starting out in the business i would never do that to anyone in the business or out of the business it's like i was i was a kid one day wanting to get into the business and if someone had spent a little bit of time with me on the side i would have been you know, over the moon about it. So I want to give back, you know, now that I'm in this position to, to give back and I've been doing it for a few years, anything I can do to help someone out, including yourself in this industry, uh, I'm going to do for sure. I want to talk about that because you, you mentioned just, of course, we were all kids at one point, but now you grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, and uh-huh. you you have four siblings? I have three older siblings, four of us all together. I'm the youngest uh, of the family. But yeah, all from Hamilton. Some are in Burlington now. But yeah, we're, we're a tight-knit family. We've always been, been that, uh, you know, Italian family. Uh, good morals, good values growing up and still to this day. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have been part of my family and I love them all to pieces. Now, I'm also the youngest of, I've got only two older yeah. brothers, so I can yeah. imagine being the youngest of three. What was that like, especially in an Italian family? <laughs> well, you know, as you can understand, a lot of hand-me-downs for sure. I never got any new clothes, but I was cool with that because I always uh, looked up to my older bro- brothers, my two older brothers, and, and I always wanted what they had, and, and I knew someday I was going to get what they had, so so that worked worked out well. And then, you know... You know, they always looked out for me. They always looked out for the younger brother, even my sister, uh, of course, my parents. At, at around the dinner table, you know, I, it was hard for me to get a word in, and and I didn't I didn't want to get a word in because I liked I liked being the listener. I liked listening to conversation at the dinner table. You know, the youngest of the family, they're probably thinking to themselves, okay, he probably doesn't have much to say or nothing significant, which isn't always the case. But but I but I was on on the opposite end of conversation. I just liked listening. I didn't want to taken it i just wanted to learn and listen from my parents and, and older siblings but it was a good it was a good um household growing up in hamilton like great memories you know the holidays going to school with my older siblings it was it was fantastic i loved it loved every minute of it 
Where did you get your interest for broadcasting? Because, I mean, did it it come from a family sense? Like, did your older brother or something listen to a a whole bunch of music and you said, oh, well, I'm not going to be a musician, but at least I can talk about it? Well, a number of things, you know, my brothers, more so my one old, my oldest brother, Lawrence, he was always listening to music in the house, like whether it was the Beatles or the Stones or or Bowie, you know, Jackson Brown, whoever it was, whatever artist it was, uh, it was always on. And I always was close to my brothers and, and my sister, of course, I was close to my siblings. So whatever they were doing, I sort of implemented and I sort of took that same stuff under my wing and and ran with it so yeah music was always a huge part of my life growing up now you know going through school you know i never never really dreamt about being on tv or being in the entertainment world you know i was a big fan of much music when i was growing up and when it first started back in 84 and i would watch it religiously and i always thought to myself well, okay maybe one day you know i'd like to do that as a job but it was far you know in the back of my mind like not even not even a, a dream you could say it was it was just there and then you know getting into university i was going through university for physical education i was going to be a teacher one day i was well that was my goal anyway like my older siblings are who are all teachers and educators and i just thought i was next in line for that but then this contest came along to be a a temp at at much music for the summer of uh well mid 90s it was going way back and i thought you know what i love this channel i love what they do i love music i love the vjs i'm going to enter this contest just to see because i was huge into entering contests but back back in the day i would enter every contest that i came in contact with <laughs> whatever it was i would fill out ballots flip the ballots into the box and you know hope cross your fingers but um this much music contest i entered i ended up winning and the year I entered, 94, sorry, 94, I didn't win because my entry wasn't the best. And I thought in 95, if this contest comes up again, I'm going to really put everything into this entry. And I did. We had 25 words to explain why we think we would be the best temp at Munch Music for the summer, in July and August. I, I won the contest. And, uh, and and the rest is history because it, it opened up my eyes and it introduced me to this whole world of television, a world that I was not at all familiar with. With, but I learned as I went. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because when I when I was coming in the other day um, to just kind of prep for this interview, I was speaking to one of our program directors and I, and he asked me like, okay, who's you got? Who do you have on your podcast this week? So I told yeah. him Rick Capanelli and he and even my brother says, oh Rick the Temp. But I never <laughs> see this is the thing is they remember as, you as Rick the Temp and they're like ten right. years older than me. But by <laughs> yeah. the time that I was watching you, I was wondering like, why do they keep calling him a Temp? He's always well, there, like he's not <laughs> temporary anymore (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing we dropped the temp after maybe five years as a vj and my parents were you know proud and happy that i was finally using my last name campanelli but yeah so the 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 contest was was titled the temp contest and uh, that's how i got my foot in the door one of my first paid jobs at much music before being becoming a vj i was a was a receptionist i was answering the phones for the executive producers for whoever taking notes taking messages and i would sign you know this is way back in the day this is like mid 90s way back in the day you're still writing out messages on a pad of paper and a pen and i would sign my name at the end of the message and just deliver it to the person that it was going to so i'd sign rick the temp rick the temp because everyone knew me as rick the temp and, and it fit it was a good handle and and you're right like that lasted a good five years so i guess the generation that was watching much music in the mid 90s and early 2000s 
knew the VJ, Rick the Temp, and not Rick Campanelli. But that's, yeah, that's, uh, there are many handles in the TV world and <laughs> many names and stage names. And, and Rick the Temp, it just, it just stuck with a lot of people. Out of all the names you could have, right? I mean, some it's like when you look back at, I'm a big fan of wrestling. So when you look back at sometimes when a character changes the wrestling name, you're like, yeah. how did you go from that name to this? Yeah. But like, this makes yeah. sense because you were a temp, a, temp. a temporary employee. So well, it was, it, yeah, it was only supposed to last two months, like July and August of 95. But I was so persistent in knocking, in banging down doors practically and asking for jobs when the two months was over with. And, you know, luckily, every time a job was over with, it was, we were only part-time jobs back then that lasted two or three months. Well, something else would come up. And, and something else would come up until this VJ position became available. And I, I auditioned for that. And fortunately, you know, I was able to get that on-air job. Uh, but it took it took a good like year and a half of doing other jobs around much music and learning about, you know, much music and TV in general before I, I went on air as a VJ. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned, of course, you said that you grew up watching much music in the 80s. When I was doing a little bit of, uh, I was looking for new books to kind of read, and when I went on Amazon yeah. last night, there's this guy, I, I don't know, you might know him because you watched it, but Christopher Ward, I think is his name? Yeah, Christopher Ward just he, wrote a book about much music. Yeah. yeah, and he mentioned like about its popularity in the 80s, and yeah. I was thinking like, okay, yeah. that's before my time, but I really thought it was very popular compared to what it is today and I don't want to shit on it all together but compared to on what it is today where you get a lot of the TV shows back then I would watch that and like you know around Christmas time you'd probably like have Hillary Duff come in for much on demand to yeah, sing Santa right. Claus Lane or you'd have <laughs> Good Charlotte come in or Simple yeah. Plan like it's kind of I'm kind of dating it as I'm saying it but yeah. in 2000 around I think it's in March Madonna came in for a rare interview in Much Music were you like were you yeah, around in I that was. yeah I was around I was around I, I believe Master T was doing that one right <laughs> yes yes yeah I remember that I rem- I was there I was on the second level now it was just like six or seven stairs up where our, the other desks were and they were down in the Much environment in the main studio but I was there watching it and uh, my gosh Madonna of course at the time was huge She's been huge all these years, and everyone wanted to be a part of that. Everyone, whether we were audience members or just hanging around, just listening to the questions and answered, but uh, but it was a huge day for much when Madonna came in. When I'm looking at it now, if I was going to relive back in time, it's like you, you take for granted a few of these things, because, I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you were probably... Yeah my age around the tw- like you know mid 20s yeah. when you were there so yeah. it was it's interesting because when I'm when I'm looking at much on demand or even retro clips from it like people are yeah. packed outside the window oh looking in gosh. at this and I'm thinking like yeah. as a VJ you're interviewing someone that's cool like cool like an artist so that's that's one but then to see how many people have swarmed outside they're like in cold yeah. just to yeah. get on TV was another thing too well, you know what? Back in the day, like we used to have an artist come in, one artist, at least one artist come in every day. Like we were always having visitors, whether they were big name stars like Madonna or like you know indie pop acts or indie indie artists just you know starting in their careers. We would have a, an artist come in all the time, and that's and that's what it was all about back then. It was all about the music and all about their music videos and playing them and, and getting to know these people. But yeah, like when the big artists came in, sometimes we would have to shut down a couple lanes on Queen Street because we knew the amount of fans for this artist were going to 
cause disruptions anyway. So they figured, let's close down a lane, make it safe for everyone, yeah. you know, the vehicles and the pedestrians, and just open up the windows out in front and let everyone have a good time. Because basically it was a concert slash Q&A session. You know, it was the best of both worlds. You know, you had you had live performances, and then you had your icon, whether it was NSYNC or Madonna or Britney Spears, answering questions that you were asking them. So it was quite a unique thing back in the day. And it was, uh, it really was a magical time to get all these artists to come down to much music. And, uh, in the, in the time, you know, I would say, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, you know, and then I left after that, but it was probably the biggest thing going in music in Canada, for sure. The the thing that I want to mention, because you mentioned, like, you know, Indie Acts, you interviewed as well. I recently seen Tom Power from CBCQ yeah. talk to yeah. uh, Steve Page and Ed Robertson of Bare Naked yeah. Ladies. And Steve yeah. Page, I think, is the one that said, you know, in the 90s when they were just coming out with their own indie scene, much music was, like, you know, knocking at their door saying, this is what we need in Canada. This is like, yes. the kind of music yes. we need. And I thought, like... That's yeah. cool. Much music was kind of like a platform for them as well. Much music was a platform for all artists, especially Canadian ones, you know, like, because this is their backyard. Much music was the biggest thing going in terms of their careers. Of course, their record labels as well, but getting their videos to the masses, well, they had to come to Much Music. There was no Vivo or Vimeo or any mobile device happening back then. You know, you wanted your video played. Much music was the place. So, yeah, artists launched themselves from, I remember I, I still remember Avril Lavigne coming in and nobody really knowing who she was she was this new artist one person in the MOD audience knew her because they went to high school together but that was it like everyone just thought she was just another you know singer songwriter trying to make it in this business and you know now she's gone on to sell millions of <laughs> albums worldwide and she's a huge huge star you used to have the MMVAs which was kind of cool too the Much Music yeah. Video Awards and yeah. I I would watch that at night stay up past my bedtime regret it the next <laughs> day uh, yeah. but like it was it was one of these big things that you didn't know who you who you would see or what you'd expect right. but like it was in Toronto I think for the main part of you know when, right. and I was thinking like this is this is exciting. It's in Canada. We're having people, yeah. not just Canadian artists, come in, but it's like international. Yeah, artists. yeah, yeah. It was very. That was one of the. Well, that was our biggest show of the year. Our biggest produced show of the year was the MMBAs. I remember watching them as a viewer, and they were called the CMVAs, the Canadian Music Video Award. But being part of it, and they had all the VJs as co-hosts for that big night, and you know we'd get. Well, Bowie performed at, at our awards. Smashing Pumpkins performed. Britney Spears, Blink-182, Destiny's Child. Bands that you would never even dream of, you know, performing in our own backyard. We're performing on, on the biggest stage in Canadian uh, music, you know. So it was always a fantastic production, and, and I was always excited to be part of the uh, the MMVAs. You never knew who was going to show up. You know, Denzel Washington showed up one year to, to, to bring on Destiny's Child. It was, it, was, it was an amazing night. It really was. Now, the last thing I'm going to mention before we go into a little bit uh, a little bit more on broadcasting or the last Much Music thing is, you know, they labeled you now as the franchise for Much Music, <laughs> which I thought was, you know, appropriate. But, like, I was looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? He he is the franchise, but there was a lot of good key players that are around. Like you know, oh, you need you need a good no right. Like because no I doubt. mean, let's put it this way: in the terms of a YouTube channel, like if you got five guys doing YouTube channels and only 
people are only watching one guy, then all that other content is useless because no one's listening or no one's wa- sure. watching it. But like, no, for y- sure. Like, for sure. I-, I can't remember everyone's name off the top of my head, but I know that you know you had segments with like Ed, Ed the Sock. The <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, and as a youngster, I really wasn't like I was kind of told like turn that off, but I was just yeah. like, but it's a sock, and he's being <laughs> he a bad mouth. Yeah, yeah. And like you know, and you were keeping on bringing in people. Like I think it's like Lee. Uh, Leah Miller. Uh, yeah, that's right. And well, I loved working with a co-host. I always loved doing a show with someone to play off of and to have fun with. So whether it was Leah Miller or Rachel Perry or Amanda Walsh or, or Jennifer Hollett or Namageni Kiwanuka or Sukin Lee, Juliet Powell, you know, the list of VJs goes on. And I didn't even mention any of the guys like Bill Walichka Matt. Or, or, or Master T or Matt Babel or, or Devin. They came in a little after when I was on my way out. But we had some amazing, amazing you know personalities at much music who loved music and you know lived music and it was just a special time getting to know it was like it was like you you go away to camp and you become best buddies (laughs) with those with those people for for a month or a few weeks or whatever it is well that's what it was like at much music getting to know these people we became like a family over there we had one common goal and that was you know talk about music and promote music yeah and that's that's why i think it all went really well together and the reason that i brought that up was because you know it seemed like no matter who you were put up against or no matter the dynamic of like who teamed up with who it just really worked together and it really worked yeah and like You're I, right. I i mean it's it's kind of picking on her a little bit I just can't remember the name I just remember the interview that much music kind of made a segment out of it where I think she was interviewing Will Ferrell and the interview wasn't going great like she admits that she was right. tossing out things and she right. kept on looking confused at her and I'm just like yeah. and I felt bad because you know when you're looking at it for the first time you're thinking like oh what a, what an idiot like it's Will Ferrell yeah. how are you messing this up but like right. when you're when you get into the field of broadcasting, you're like, oh, come on. That's kind of what he does for a living. And he can't yeah. take the fact that she's doing the same thing back. Like, mm. I, I felt bad for her, but I love yeah. how much music kind of tossed that into a, okay, let's have a little fun with it. Let's go. Let's show people let's behind the it. scenes yeah. of, like, why this was the way it was. And I'm like, it looked good. It wasn't like they were burying Will Ferrell. It wasn't like they were burying no. her. No. But it was just well were, produced. I think they called those shows VJ Confidentials, I believe. Yes. We would really show a behind the scenes look at how things were done and you know if we messed up interviews well let's show that footage because people viewers you know they should see all parts of what we're all about not just the polished parts that they see but stuff that goes wrong behind the scenes as well and I think that's very interesting from like because when you're looking at it like again when I was looking at it when I was younger I was kind of like okay this is just something to kind of put into a program but as I'm older and I'm doing my own interviews like I know yeah. when I mess up an yeah. interview or a question I'm like yeah. okay that's not what I meant but if someone <laughs> was listening to me they would probably yeah. be like okay why did he go down that path or right. let's figure right. it out the last thing I'm going to mention here in, in terms of much music is you left on August 26th I believe of 2005 wow yeah I did and uh, yeah, I have I have I I've done my work. I've yeah, done my yeah. work. Uh, I so say goodbye I, with with a few tears. Yeah, but I want to. Okay, so in all this, what kind of summed it up for you to leave? Like, it was kind of like a graduation where you kind of felt like, okay, it's time for me to move on to something better, or was it just that you said, I've done it here, I, I want to do something new? Well, that's it. Like you know, I had been there since '94. So over 10 years of, do, of doing that, and, and I loved it till the very end. But, you know, I just started noticing a few changes. And, uh, and you know, like 
back when we first started, we, honest to God, we got away with anything we wanted to do live on television. And was, it was almost like guerrilla style. It was like a magical time. You know, closer to the end, you know, there were, there were more restrictions. You know, we had to do more of this and less of that. So, you know, that was happening. Um, a lot more a lot more pop culture shows were starting to rear their ugly heads. And we yeah. had to, you know, in, we had to put those into programming instead of playing music videos or instead of doing a lot of interviews with bands. So so that was changing. I was getting older. I had a, I had my first child. Yeah. Uh, he was born in, in January of that year. So, you know, I, I was starting to feel like, okay, mm, am I a dinosaur here? Do I have to move on before, before it gets too late and I can't go anywhere? So a, a combination of things decided for me. And, and at the time, yeah, a lot of additions came up because I was still in pretty much in the prime of doing my thing. I was only into it for 10 years, and it was 2005, like you said. So I did auditions for CBC and CMT and Global, of course, and a couple other shows that never went anywhere. I just I just knew it was time to move on, change of scenery, and, and challenge myself with, an, with, the, with my next project. You ended up going to ET Canada. Uh, after much music, uh, just explain, you know, what was your first few days like there? Well, it was interesting because I was still under contract with much music when I did my first assignment for ET Canada. Yeah, you said I left uh, August 26th, I said my goodbye. On August 27th, I think I was in New York interviewing Alicia Keys for um, ET Canada. <laughs> and my contract came to an end with, with much music, uh, I believe August 31st. I think it was, I, I don't know, we're going back over 10 years now. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was amazing. The first few days, the first few weeks was, were, were amazing. You know, thrown right into it, not really sure of the format of things. We're just rolling with it. I remember the first two months we were, our offices were in trailers in a parking lot because they were, they were still building offices and studio. And yeah, because it was, it was, everything was new. It was launched on September 12, 2005. That's, That's right. Yeah. So we, during TIFF. Yeah, yeah. During TIFF. So, you know, those first few weeks, couple months was all sort of like a blur, but it was a very exciting, exciting time because this is a new, a new thing we're working on, even though it would, it had already been established in the U.S. for years. And, you know, it's the granddaddy of them all, uh, E.T. Uh, so to be part of that franchise, but we were still doing something new. Uh, up in Canada with new hosts, uh, new producers. Everyone was getting to know everyone else. So it was a very exciting time those first few few months. I think it's interesting because it, it just worked out perfect timing because like, you leave much music and then you transition right into this new ET Canada that's just coming into fold. So then you, know, you kind of become the franchise in that kind of sense too. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting because you know, I, I'm watching the Big Bang Theory is streaming it online, and I see, you know, the commercials for ET Canada and whatnot, but it seems like a lot, it's like you paved the way, because a lot of the much music VJs end up going to ET Canada in a way, so it's yeah. kind of like, they're like, well, Rick did okay for himself, so why don't I do okay for myself and do the same thing? Yeah, well, you know what, there's only so many jobs as a host or an on-air personality in this country, and when you're done with one, you know, you're looking for the next, and there's not... There's only a handful of jobs for us, you know, like, you know, I left ET Canada back in September and I'm still trying to find where that next right fit is going to be. It, you know, as the days go by, the window is getting smaller and smaller. 
in terms of, you know, on-air host positions, um, because the whole landscape is changing of television, as you know. So I know I went a little off topic there. But <laughs> no, no, that's it, it, it's, it goes well into what I, what I wanted to go into, because I want to talk yeah. about, like, you know, you just mentioned that you left ET Canada. I think they say in July 2017, it was announced that you were leaving. Um, yeah. And then yeah. in the summer, you, it was, you appeared through August 2017, and then you were done. I want to talk about what led up to you leaving that place, because I know in the terms of much, you said, like, you were getting older. But I mean, with ET Canada, you could stay at that till like you were 60 or 70 because you're pretty much hosting and interviewing movie yeah, stars and, that are around that age, too. And to tell you the truth, I really wanted to. It wasn't my decision to leave. It was their decision. They they just decided not to renew my contract after 12 seasons. So, yeah, I, I wanted to stay. I loved every bit of that job, loved the people, loved the content, loved what I did. But this time around, it was it was the the company's decision and, and not mine. So that's how that all played out at the end. I think I think they knew that we talked, and then they were like, "No, he's he's getting in with <laughs> uh, he's getting in with Tobin now." So uh, <laughs> let's fire him. Let's get yeah, him. talking to Tobin. We got to let this guy go. Yeah. So so you're, thanks, Tobin. It's all your fault. Yeah. No, you're welcome, man. You can always come and join me on a podcast, and like you know, we can uh, we can amp up some uh, we can amp up yeah. the ratings. Uh, time on my hands now. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, the one other thing I want to mention too is, you know, I, you mentioned about you know the difficulty of finding the the on air jobs, but I was wondering, have you ever thought of? Because I I think I heard this on my way to ball hockey a few days ago. I, I can't yeah. remember. This goes to show you how young I am because I remember the band Sugar Ray, but I yeah, can't remember. I, yeah, yeah, there you go. So that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he's doing a show in Toronto or something. Like he's a host of uh, a radio oh. show. Um, oh, no way. In Toronto. Yeah, I think that's what I heard, or it could have been just a guest star for that week, but I know that's the kind of thing that he's doing as projects. He's getting into the radio side of things. Yeah, yeah. And well, I know that you also have a background with a bit of radio announcing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I do. I was I was fortunate enough to be given a, a job at The Edge 102.1 in Toronto for their morning show, and, and it was a dream, man. I had grown up listening to that that radio station, Alternative rock, man, I, I lived and breathed the edge, you know, as a kid, as I did much music. To be offered this gig as, uh, on the morning show, as part of the morning show team, it was, it was a huge dream come true for me. Now, at the time, I was st- still doing ET Canada, so, and I couldn't, I couldn't for some reason make both work because it was many, many hours out of the day, and I, and I have a young family at home, and I wanted to see them, you know, a little bit here and there, and I wasn't able to do that with both jobs. So, unfortunately, Fortunately, after seven months with The Edge, and, and I don't know how I built up enough courage to do this, I had to tell the program director that I just unfortunately couldn't do it anymore because doing two jobs and raising a young family, it was just impossible for me. So I had to let that one go. But um, looking back at it now, you know, now being being out of a job with ET Canada as well, <laughs> I would have definitely held on to that Edge Morning Show because it brought me back to my roots, man. It brought me back to the music that I loved when I was a kid that I played on much music and doing radio. It was just something incredible about it. You mentioned about the edge and growing up and liking the edge, of course. Do you think that you could, you know, go back to doing a radio environment? Because I mean, you're only you only recently had a birthday. You're only about forty eight years old, so you yeah, still got yeah. you got years kicking left. I'm working on something <laughs> as we speak, so yeah, uh, maybe one day. I really, I really enjoyed radio. I really did, man. I don't have any experience in it prior to joining up with the team uh, on the morning show at the edge, but. 
falling into it, I, I loved it. I, there's something about radio. It's, um, it brought me back to the Much Music days where things were live. You know, you know, once something was said, it was out there. You can't take it back. Now, with ET Canada, it was all mostly taped. We taped everything. So if you made a mistake, you got to do it over again. But with radio... And with much music back in the day, it was all live. You, you were ad-libbing. It was out there. You know, once it came out of your mouth, you know, even if it was a mistake, well, too bad. You have to move on. That, that keeps you on your toes. It gives you this energy, and, and it, it just keeps you excited the whole time that you're on. And, of course, the music that we played is my favorite of all time. It's like, you know... Alternative rock is is my genre, and I I got most of the pop bands and the boy bands when I was at Much Music. But deep down, I'm a rock. I'm a rocker. Uh, Alternative rock is my thing. Okay, well, I'll be looking back on those interviews and seeing if I can see some eye rolls or some shrugs, if that's the case. Because I, I can just imagine uh, Nick Carter from uh, the Backstreet Boys going like, our songs are about females, man, and you're yeah. just going to be like, yeah, no, I definitely feel it. And then as soon as they go to break, you roll your eyes and be like, man, no. No, don't, don't get me wrong. I loved interviewing those guys because they were always a lot of fun. Would I go and buy a Backstreet Boys CD? Well, I don't think so, but they, hey, listen, that band made a lot of people very happy, put a lot of smiles on faces. But my thing, and it was growing up too, it was the rock, it was the alternative rock. Like, give me some Chili Peppers, give me some Stone Temple Pilots, Foo Fighters, Nirvana, and that's uh, that's my game right there. I, I want to toss this out to you just as a, as a conclusion here, but I, I was thinking that time when you were mentioning about, you know, looking for work. I, I have three propositions for you that could be up your alley um, okay, so hit me with them what do okay you I think you know why don't you become the new program director for much music and turn it back into the old way I mean <laughs> come on you you've done it in the past now you have it's almost like the rookie becoming the vet now you yeah. can kind of tell them how to how to run things. <laughs> God bless you, man. I don't think it works that way these days. But listen, I'm I'm all into that idea. I okay, love, and then I'm, I'm, I've got <laughs> another another one here. Or you could do a Rick Campanelli podcast or TV show, kind of like uh, instead of the hour with George Strombo, you could have you yeah. know the yeah. the hour with Rick Campanelli. <laughs> I like that too. I've always loved interviewing people, whether they're artists or actors or athletes or whoever, interesting people. So yeah, maybe maybe something like that is also in the works. Wink, wink. The the last thing I want to mention here too, Rick, just before we wrap it up, is you know doing all this broadcasting from Much Music, ET Canada, The Edge. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would be some kind of helpful information or advice that you would give to someone just starting off trying to find work? Great question. And you know when, when I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back the day the time when I was trying to look for work and listen man I lived it I was so passionate about it I, I, I was ambitious I wanted everything to do with music and music videos and artists and songwriters and singers back in the day I would go see a concert gosh almost every night of the week if I could I just loved it so much so really embracing what you're doing and really living it and loving it that's going to show and shine right through and having a having a good approach and having a good attitude about it that's the main thing you know you got to do something in life that you're going to love because you're going to do a better job with it if i wasn't really into music back in the day or interviewing people i wouldn't have done as good a job as i did like because my mind would have been elsewhere it would have been you know okay maybe i do want to be a teacher and not sitting here interviewing the chili peppers but i was so 100% 
living that life and I wanted to be in it and, and I was so happy to be part of it and, and it kept me going. Okay, chili peppers today, who do we got tomorrow? Okay, Stone Temple Pilots are coming in, great, let's do this. It was like a drug to me, it really was. Like it kept me going, like who's coming in next week? I get to interview these guys, okay. I love these guys, Smashing Pumpkins are coming in next. Whatever band it was, I just wanted to talk to them, wanted to interview them and I wanted to make it the most entertaining, you know, hour or half hour or however, however long it was. So you, you have to set out really loving what you're getting into or else it's, it's all for naught and it's gonna fail. So pick something in life that you're so interested in and you wanna do, and not just for a couple of years, but I'm talking like for many, many years, and, and you'll be successful. All right, that's awesome. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put some inspirational music behind that, and we're going to sell it on CDs. There you go. Um, no, of course, that, that's an awesome answer. I, I was waiting when you were saying, uh, you know, do I really want to be interviewing? And I'm like, please don't say, do I really want to be interviewing Brian Tobin? Because I would have been like, listen, I'll, I'll cut you off. Um, the next thing I think you should do, I just ordered a kind of a John Oliver, uh, what do you call it, like a pop figure, one of those like small little oh, things. Yeah. You should yeah, come out with one of those. I want one of those on my desk. <laughs> a bobblehead. <laughs> hey, man, you're, you're giving me some great ideas. I know. That's why I should get... That's why when you come up with some jobs, you know, come see me. I'll, I'll help, you know, uh, sponsor it. I'll come out with Rick Campanelli shirts. I, I will not forget you. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Rick Campanelli for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thanks for listening, and good night. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.